The Athen Real Talk podcast explores controversial ideas to stimulate debate and active thinking. These ideas do not always reflect Athen's personal views. Welcome to the Athen Real Talk podcast. He has been called the best gamer in the world, hands down. World famous gamer and philanthropist Athen. Gaming for good, it's called, has raised more than $20 million. Using his notoriety to raise money for charity. On activism, science, culture, and self-development. I'm proud to have him in the studio today. I would not want to take you on in a video game. I want to ask you guys a question. Like, honestly, close your eyes and think about something. Do you think... In audio or in visuals? Close your eyes and just think about something. Is it audio or visuals? I will explain you guys something, and I'm pretty damn sure this is how it works. This is a theory, but so far it has been proven to be correct in this environment. Clicking is a visual process. And let me tell you guys why. Animals think visually, right? They don't have auditory brain because they don't have a vocabulary. Vocabulary is something that only humans have. So basically, because of that, when you think visually, you're closer to your emotions. And the reason why I'm saying this is because if your auditory part of the brain is partaking in the process of making the click, it is merely distracting you. So it is a purely visual process. And let me explain you guys how it works. This is just a theory, yeah? but basically you don't need to go through all your memories and all that shit in step three. For the people that don't know, step one is loving logic. Step two is figuring out your core value. Step three is loading your negative emotion to your core value and then swap it with logic, right? The thing is you can even have even more concrete steps. You have to be able to visually see something that you correlate with logic that really brings about a positive emotion. Whether it's a horse or whether it's like an object or whatever. Something that gives you a strong emotion visually. You visualize it. For some people it's wings, it can be dragons, it can be whatever. Everybody has its own thing like visually that you connect to logic. That you have a strong emotional positive emotion. On the other hand, your core value, you try to also visualize it, whether it's a teddy bear or whether it's a cloak or whatever. And basically while you have these two visualizations, on one end you have the logic visualization with a positive emotion, on the other hand you have your core value visualization with a negative emotion, you just imagine visually how this core value, the visuals, is actually damaging you. You don't even have to go about it in an intellectual way. Just see the cloak starting to strangle you or becoming wet and start to freeze you or like just try to imagine visually this comfort emotion, visualize it in a negative way. And by doing so, you can throw on top of it parts of like, oh yeah, it also has fucked me up there or whatever. It really helped me not achieve that. But only think it in visuals. So if you connect it to other thoughts, right, do it visually. Go about it completely visually. And if you're an auditory person, You've got to train to think visually a little bit because it will allow you to be more connected with your emotions. So you do so back and forward, back and forward, back and forward, and you will click. The thing is, though, since this way of clicking is a lot less deep, the click will be less intensive. But once you click, you immediately start doing logical stuff. What clicking is, is you connect your reward center to your prefrontal cortex. And as a result, your decision process and your logical thinking starts rewarding you. That's what happens when you click. And as a result, it starts becoming more and more advanced because the reward center starts stimulating it. You want to think logically. But for people that don't think so much logically at all in their life, they need to put a bit more effort in keeping the flow 
but as they do, they will get better and better at it and they will strengthen more and more their prefrontal cortex. If you guys manage to click that way, say it on the subreddit, explain it, because if this works, it's really like a, a more McDonald's version of clicking. It's a more mainstream one that people don't need to have crazy insight of their own emotions and stuff and really go advanced in making it negative. No, it's very simple. You just go at it in a very core level. I'm going to give another example. Let's say you got to imagine, you got to visualize how you had a meal with your parents a week ago, right? What was your mother wearing? A red jacket. Okay, now imagine that she's wearing a blue jacket instead. Okay, so you imagine, okay, she's wearing a blue jacket. Okay, now remind yourself. What is your mother wearing? You're going to say, like, she's wearing a blue jacket. And that's the thing. The brain has the ability to make emotions liable when you access them and write something different in it. So the only thing you got to do is you got to go to your core value comfort, and you can do that by visualization, make it liable. And by doing so, like, if you connect it to a negative emotion and you connect logic to a positive emotion, visualizing that, you will very easily be able to swap them. It's almost like a simple brain hack. And it will simplify going through the click immensely because people with an auditory brain literally struggle so much but don't have the auditory take place in your process. So when you are having these thoughts and audio in your brain, you're actually going about it, getting distracted. You just got to go about it emotionally and visualizing. I hope this helps people. Yes, it's no limit. No talking in your head. That's basically the idea. You just think with images. No talking. You visualize logic with a positive emotion. You visualize your core value with a negative emotion. And you just keep going back and forward. And I think you will click. Ingav, exactly. Ah, so the click has to be emotionally. I knew that, but I never could think emotionally with words. Exactly. That's the problem. That's why people are trapped. That's why everybody that thinks auditory or thinks with words is trapping themselves. You can't click when you think in words. You got to click visually. And let me tell you what happens, because this is also very interesting for people to realize. When I said you become more intelligent, people go like, fuck it, fuck it. What are you saying? I don't know how many people understand this, but in the computer, you have GPU, which is the graphic processor and you have the CPU, which is like the processor of your computer. And basically, when you render in uh, Vegas, for example, which is an editing program, now since the GPU, which is the graphic processor, has become so much more advanced, it tries to offload as much calculations to the GPU. The thing is, we work very similar. We have the more CPU, which is the prefrontal cortex, and we have the GPU, which is our visual pattern recognition because of our insanity, right? Pattern recognition. If you align your emotions with your rational part of the brain, literally your GPU and your CPU are working together rather than against each other. And that's why you become more intelligent. Like I already said it before, but this is really like so much more clear. And now I understand it much better as well because I thought about it and I talk to people about it here. Basically, what you literally do is you have your reward center, literally reward yourself for prefrontal cortex activity, which strengthens your reasoning and your logical thinking, and as a result, aligns itself with your emotions, giving it literally the ability to work hand in hand. Ricardo said it himself. He said once he clicked, he didn't calculate linear anymore. He also started calculating information visually. And he didn't know it. He just said, like, yeah, now when I see numbers, I also see them under each other and stuff. Before, I couldn't do that. It's because when you click, you get access to your GPU. I wonder if people understand this. Also, RAM. RAM is working memory. Your working memory is much more cleared because it gets less clocked up. 
with unnecessary processing between your GPU going against your CPU all the time. It's just a metaphor, but it makes people understand. Visualize logic in a very positive way, visual your core value in a negative way, and go from the one and the other. You just visualize and you're emotional, more and more emotional. Visualize, visualize, and then poof, you click, you really truly feel a catharsis, and then just do logical stuff. Ramirez, is there any way to improve visual thinking? It's hard for me. Imagine how you would dream. Try to connect with your dreams. And that's why we also dream visually, because it's closer connected to our emotional part of the brain. We don't really dream with audio. It's a visual experience. Either way, try to project in you dreaming. Because that's what I do when I fall asleep. Before I fall asleep, I try to visualize things. And it really helps me a lot to fall asleep because I'm a very, very auditory person myself. So the Milgot says, I'm a logical person. Visualization is easy. What do I do now? Like the four steps is step one, you value logic. By looking at videos and stuff, you just goes like, oh, everything is logical. And you have a strong image that you connect it to logic. It's the mother of logic or whatever. You visualize it with a strong emotion and you close your eyes and you can see it like, yes, like the earth logic. Hmm. Okay, whatever, or light or whatever. Then the second step is you try to figure out what your core value is. The way you do that is when you do something, you wonder, why am I doing this? And you try to really connect it, not too much with thought, but more with emotion. You try to visualize it. Ah, yeah. I'm trying to do this because I want to be warm. I want to be safe. I want to be feeling good. Like you can visualize, you can emotion. Okay. Third step is you visualize what is this comfort? Like whether it's a cloak. Okay, it's a cloak. It's making me warm. Or it's a teddy bear or whatever. And you connect it to a negative emotion. Rather than a warm teddy bear that keeps you safe, it starts to rot. Maybe maggots, whatever the fuck. To make you look like, mm, And then you go to logic and you see the earth and go like, hmm. Like whatever you have or a horse or whatever. And then you go back to your teddy bear comfort and you go like Ugh, I don't like that think emotionally visually you visualize all the moments in your life where it let you down but visually not audio you don't go back in your memories thinking about things no you go about it visually so you can imagine like for example you were sitting at the PC and your mother was crying because you didn't help and you have this image of her crying because you were just so busy with yourself or whatever everything that can load and then you go back to logic to beauty and you do that visually no sound just visuals back and forth back and forth and at one moment you're gonna go like I don't want this comfort anymore you're gonna have to do a leap of faith you jump on logic and poof done Freeman says if a logic can answer every question why is there something instead of anything you mean why is there something rather than nothing right the question is not why is there something rather than nothing by the way the question is how come you have something that came out of nothing because having something there forever is logical. The thing that really baffles us is how do you have this order that comes out of all this chaos? Or where does this chaos even come from if before the Big Bang there was nothing? But if you can explain how you get order out of infinite chaos, then you already have an answer because you didn't have nothing and then something. You always had chaos. And that's something you can existentially be satisfied with. So that's the first thing. You can explain perfectly how you have order out of infinity. Just look at chaos theory. I also explain a little bit why logic doesn't need a creator. 
Of course, you can even go further and even argue like, even if you have nothing, you can borrow out of nothing and have something, but you got to pay it back. And the way that would translate itself is with energy. But maybe the universe destroys itself. We don't know that. And maybe that's why the moments that we experience constantly disappears and we have to constantly go through this math in order to stay alive. And actually what's funny is when you look at fractal geometry, maybe the way that works is because we would end up borrowing and then destroying ourselves. And that's why constantly our moments disappear and we have to grow and grow and grow and grow in order to keep existing because you have to square root it all the time. Mathematically speaking, that's the same why we see fractals in mountains. It's just an explanation, of course. I don't know if it's true, but it's just something to think about, you know. But I do think there's a theory of everything that also explains the theory itself, and this is one that sounds quite fine. When you think about the objective reality, you think about it through your subjective reference frame, and as a result, you wonder whether the objective reality could even exist without the subjective reference frame. And then it's like, okay, what requires to exist in order to bring the other one. The thing is, the objective reality, whereas we experience it today, if it wasn't for our experience, would not exist the way we experience it. That's almost like a given. The objective reality, whether it exists or not, is important to then define what existence is. Does it go through time? Does it experience? What if it doesn't experience? And when you start looking at quantum mechanics and how you also have like the uh, different interpretation of quantum mechanics where you need to interact with something in order for it to collapse, for the wave to collapse, you could really even wonder to which extent does even time and space exist if you have no subjective frame of reference. But then you can say like, yeah, but how do we then even come to existence? Do we then just create the universe? And that's where I'm going to start giving an answer to this question based on my current understanding combined with the way I look at it. So basically, when you look at the reality, everything is probabilistic. Things pop in and out of existence all the time. And there's many different ways of looking at it. There's many different interpretations. There's Copenhagen interpretation, the many world interpretation. There's really like a list of like, I don't know how many. I really like the many world interpretation. If that would be true, it means that every single type of reality actually does exist. If that is the case, then basically we're in a situation where it's not so much whether something exists, but rather whether it experiences. Because you could literally state then that everything exists, like truly everything. But it depends how you define existence. If existence requires a subjective reference frame that experiences, then you can say that there's a lot of things that cannot exist in. Like, for example, even this bottle wouldn't exist. It only exists relative to me because I experience it. If it wasn't for me experiencing it, this bottle would not be able to manifestate itself because it requires a definition of what it is and what it isn't, if you understand what I mean. But then with that interpretation, you can look like, yeah, but if that was the case, how can you then bring about existence like we are and go from something that didn't exist to something that does exist? Because if you go enough back in time, nothing existed at all, right? When you think about these things, it's very important to build a very strong rhetorical framework that basically answers all these holes for it to be satisfactory. And I'm going to go really far. And that's where I make a big jump because I read a lot about quantum mechanics, about special and general relativity, and I always tried to make sense out of it. And basically, the best way I could make sense out of the double slit experiment, for example, where light behaves as a particle and as a wave or whatever, is by looking everything more like information, like ones and zeros. And dataism is something, you know, like everything is data. It's something that's becoming more and more popular even in the scientific community. But basically, if everything is data, then 
ultimate chaos or infinity would be perfectly possible to be present everywhere. But then you can wonder like, yeah, why don't we experience it within our reality? It's because we follow very specific patterns. And I already talked about it. And I would even say and describe these patterns as the compression algorithms that we are naturally emerging out from because our experience will naturally be the most compressed version because that is the one that is most likely to express itself within infinity. Just as much as ones are 50% present in infinity and zeros are 50% or one zero combination is 25%, you see the longer your string, the less frequent within infinity. So obviously when you take a certain information package, it will automatically be the most compressed version, statistically speaking. And that requires certain compression algorithms, just like, for example, when you save a black background in paint, when you do it as a BMP, the size will be much larger than if you do it as a JPEG. And that's the thing, like the image is the same, although the compression algorithm brings about a much more compressed one when you do it as a JPEG than with a BMP. It's actually like 20 times or something or 200 times smaller. So yeah, in that regards, when you put that into what we are, to put it that way, the chances of us manifesting ourselves in the most compressed version is much larger. So basically you have everything. You have infinite chaos. You have literally everything can happen and exist. But the ones that experience themselves will not only be following these compression algorithms, but will also be the ones that experience this universe we are in. So now the question is like, okay, so what was first? Your existence or the algorithms? The thing is though, the algorithms only get their benefit and their meaning because you frame it within an existence framework. Because if you take the existence framework out of the equation, you just have infinite chaos, basically. So the order that we experience requires a subjective reference frame to give it meaning. So yeah, in infinity, the patterns that experience give these patterns the structure, but also even further, the reality that it takes place in. So basically, this is a philanthropic approach, and it's quite popular even in the scientific world. We exist in this specific universe because we exist. And if it wasn't for us existing, we might be existing in another universe. So basically, that's why I say it's two sides of the same coin. It's not because we exist that therefore we created the universe. But because we exist, we follow these patterns that bring about the universe and bring about what we are and experience this world rather than just infinite chaos. And that's why it's two sides of the same coin, because if it's just existence, you need very complex, consistent patterns to be able to even be aware and have memories and all this stuff. So existence itself cannot hold up by itself because it requires these consistent patterns in order to create sense of continuity. And on the other hand, these consistent patterns cannot exist just by themselves because what differentiates them from chaos is the existence. So that's why you need both. So if you think about these things, it's quite a very fascinating explanation that really explains these existential questions. What was first existence or these reality? Well, you, you need both in order to have experience. You need both. And guys, have you read Solomon theory, blah, blah, blah? Like, I don't care so much about all these theories, man. Even what I just explained now, all this shit, I don't care about it. At the end of the day, what I care more about than all these theories is the objective reality. And let me tell you why. Because it is undeniable that the only reason why I have the luxury to have this conversation is because I'm already in a privileged situation where I have food and shelter and don't have to think about this shit. 
So when I'm in this privileged situation, wasting my time thinking about these things goes literally at the cost of my ability to help these other people that are struggling. And that is why my aim is so much more focused on raising people's awareness. I don't lose myself in all these theories. I just think objective reality, that's all that matters. What keeps you busy is always the objective reality. Sister, since I've been thinking some more, don't you think logic on its own is worthless if you have no knowledge? Someone who has access to more knowledge will often make better logical decisions. With that being said, people shouldn't forget to remain modest in their conclusions, even if said conclusion may seem to come from a logical thought process. Yes, indeed, you always have to add benefit of the doubt in your equation and by doing so what you do is you automatically when your conclusion would harm other people you more give the benefit of the unknown more weight and that's why you don't become an asshole or a killer when you come to a logical conclusion because you know that there is a chance you're flawed so yeah definitely what you're saying there is perfectly correct so that's why when you come to a conclusion if it just benefits the world then sure If it doesn't benefit, if it would harm people, then suddenly it becomes more tricky. So yeah, like you can never be certain with what you say. Hey, Atina, I don't understand why would someone want to try and change its core value to logic if their core value fulfills its job right now. For example, God for some people, why would they want to change if it fulfills a safety role? Drainus, because it's not in line with reality. Maybe right now it makes you feel comfortable, but it goes at a big price. The price of you being able to excel your own efficiency and the price of how your actions ripple throughout the world and have a very bad impact. So not only does it allow you to even get more out of it, be more fulfilled, be more impactful yourself for your own growth, but also for your environment. Like it's literally like, why would a pig want to have consciousness if it's satisfied with just eating grass all day? Why would a rock evolve into a cell? It's what you are. It's what you're designed to do. And when people give these arguments like, yeah, why would I want to evolve? Why would I want to move forward? Like, it's because if it wasn't for that, you would not exist. Feeling good is just, it's a trick. It's a mechanism that nature has brought about in order for us to evolve more efficiently. And that's it. But it's going against what we are. We're even destroying the planet as a habitat for humans. If everybody has logic as a core value, that shit wouldn't happen. Sustak, so a logical decision depends on the person making it. Something logical for you might not be for someone else. How do you unite people under the same logic banner if ultimately everyone thinks different as everyone's reference frame for good and bad is different? But logic is different from person to person and is defined by the amount of knowledge they have. So the more knowledge you have, the more accurate your understanding of logic will be. So when you say like maybe something good for one person is bad for another person, that depends. If you still cling on to the knowledge that your identity is what you are, then definitely. But if you understand what you truly are and you see that you're actually interconnected being and you're as much as a cell in your body, but a person in society and that we have evolved from our hedonistic impulses to benefit the group and exactly that way of going about life has made us strive today, you start seeing the world for what it is and you start seeing yourself through what you truly are and it's interconnected and interweaved with your environment. You don't just see it through this flawed paradigm of what you are and benefiting the self is literally benefiting your environment as well because the environment and the self is one and the same thing. So it's just because of a lack of understanding. So if you truly understand what you are, You just understand that the true self is actually selfless. And acting and behaving in that way just makes you more in line with what you are. 
I am too logical to follow four steps and expect my worldview to change. In fact, I just like to discuss philosophy. Well, there you go. You're not too logical at all. You're just using logic to feed your comfort. Be honest. Truly be honest. And that's why you had this entire conversation. That's why I felt like I'm wasting my time even talking about it. You're not logical at all. You're not even that intelligent either. And you always try to, you know, feed your intelligence by talking and bullshitting your way about all these things. But at the end of the day, it doesn't help you at all. It just justifies your comfy life. And that's why you're doing it. You're just a slave of your comfort. And once logic is your core value instead of comfort, you don't even feel like talking. You feel like taking action. Because you know what is the biggest premise of your ability to even say these things? Is the privilege to be in that situation. You know that? This is not really given to everyone. There's people that are dying. Your actions and your intelligence could be used much more impactful than just sitting and wasting your time even debating in this chat. That's why I do think it's not that you're too logical to follow the four steps. You're too illogical. Illogical to follow the four steps. Subscribe to youtube.com slash wins. Watch the live stream at twitch.tv slash live. And follow the real Athene on Snapchat.